Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Our word for 2024, many of you know this, most of you know this, is receive. And so every year uh, we pray, God, what are you speaking to our church? What is the one word you're giving to our church that is going to be really the overall focus of where we're going this year and what, we're, what our goal is, what we're seeking God for? And this year it's the word receive. And uh, our theme verse for this series is in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And so last week, if you missed it, we talked about stepping toward joy. We talked about receiving joy. We said that we have to make a decision and we live to give and we please God, not people. And you can go back and listen to that message. I think it'll bless you. I think it'll help you. And we're going to kind of build a little bit today. Today I've titled the message, Called Out. Called Out. And uh, I'm curious, anybody ever been called out on something in your life? Been call, you've been called out at work. You may have been called out at work. Anybody, you been, anybody ever called out your kids? Come on. Anybody ever called out your spouse? Come on. You've been called out for something, right? It's like, hey, you're going this direction, and we actually need to be going this direction, and so you got called out for that, or you've been called out by a friend or somebody in your life. And I want to talk to you today about receiving a specific call uh, that Jesus gives. And I think that this is... Um, I did not plan, I'll tell you this, I did not plan to preach on this this weekend. Um, I had other things in my notes or whatever, and I think it was on Monday, I was sitting there and I was just reading, and I felt like, it was like, uh, it was like in about 30 minutes time, I had this entire, not written out, but I had this entire idea for this message that I felt like the Lord just downloaded and said, this is what I want you to talk about. Um, and then as I was listening to podcasts, I do that during the week. I'll listen to other uh, podcasts and, and uh, teachings and things like that. The first one, after I started writing all these things down, the first one I went to was along the same lines as this. And I thought, okay, Holy Spirit, like you're trying to, you know, you're trying to say something here. And so I want to talk to you about this idea of being called out by Jesus, receiving this call from Jesus. And we're going to begin with one verse today. And this, this statement, it's found in Matthew 16, it's also in Luke 9, it's in, in, in multiple Gospels, but I want to I read it out of Mark, it's in Mark chapter 8, and you're going to be familiar with this, I promise you, but I want to I try to help us understand this and the importance of this. Mark chapter 8 and verse 34, it says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. Now let me just pause here. Jesus, the Bible is making a, a uh, there is a difference between the crowd and a disciple. And there is a, like, they're distinguishing between the two. It says that Jesus called the crowd to come get with his disciples. So Jesus could see these are disciples. And I'm not even necessarily talking about just the 12 disciples that we think about whenever we think about disciples. I'm talking about people following Jesus. And then there was all of these people that were following Jesus. So you got to get this picture as Jesus is going about in his ministry, he's got people that are following him and people that are just following him. You know what I'm saying? Like people that are following and people that are just 
they're just following. And he makes the distinction. He says, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, this word, if you look this word up, it can mean to allow him to be your guide. Learn from him. If anybody wants to be my follower, you must, somebody say you must, give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, have you ever been, you ever been a crowd Christian? Anybody ever been a crowd Christian? Can we be honest at church today? We're like, we're in the middle of fasting. Like, can we say we've been a crowd Christian? Um, I, I think there's been a time in our lives where we've all kind of been crowd Christians. Right? Like, what, what does the crowd do? So I want to I try to break this down. What does the crowd do? And right now we're in the middle of the play, NFL playoffs and, and all that's going on. So I kind of have this, and I like sports, so I kind of had this football analogy or this thing this picture come to my mind what is what does the crowd do now i want to read you some of the things that the crowd does the crowd watches what's going on so the people in the crowd they're watching what's going on the people that were following jesus and they were they were the crowd they were watching the reason they were following is because they had watched what was going on they had seen some things happen. They were kind of like, uh, what is this Jesus? You know, who is this Jesus? And they're following around. The crowd watches what's going on. The crowd, listen, the crowd has opinions about what's going on. You ever had an opinion about what's going on? You had an opinion about how Jesus was doing it. You had an opinion about how it was going in your life. You had an opinion about what other people were doing. You had an opinion about what was going on. The crowd, check this out, the crowd lashes out at people in the game when they mess up. Right? There was a, there was a, uh, little video clip that I don't know how big it got but I saw it come across uh come across a few things on my phone and it was an Eagles fan you might see this the lady that was the Eagles fan and I won't tell you what she said and you probably don't need to go look it up you could read her lips but something had happened something significant had happened in the game and she was upset she was frustrated it was like what are we doing right now right this is what the crowd does the crowd's not on the field but the crowd gets frustrated. Come on, don't we do this? You go to a basketball game, you go to a football game, you're watching your kid play or something like that, and something happens and you're like, ah! You know, like, what are you doing? What's, what's going on right now? I have nothing out there that I can do. I'm not in the game, but I'm mad because you're in the game and you're doing it wrong. Right? This is, this is a perspective from the crowd. The crowd, uh, the crowd cheers when they like what's happening, right? You ever cheered? You've been in the crowd? You cheered when you like what's happening? But the crowd curses when they don't like what's happening. The crowd, listen, the crowd doesn't want to do what's necessary to win the game, but they want to share their opinion about what the players should do in order to win the game. Jesus, can, Jesus, can you do it this way? Jesus, can you... Can you make sure that this happens for me in this way? Jesus, come on, think about that. Jesus, what about this play? Come on, can we run this play, Jesus? And Jesus is like, I didn't call you to be in the crowd trying to tell me how to do the God thing, but I'm calling you out of the crowd. And isn't it true that we all have a just, just a little bit of crowd in us? We all got just a, just a little bit of just, just a little bit of crowd in us. Come on, on a Monday morning, you got just a little, just a little bit of crowd in you. And I think that Jesus is calling us out 
Think about the players. If you think about the difference between the crowd and the players, what do the, what do the players do? The players put in the work behind the scenes. The players deny themselves of certain things to get in shape, to stay in shape. The players study the playbook so that they can know what their leader desires of them. The players, they give up their bodies to accomplish a goal. The players are, are doing the things even behind the scenes that nobody else can see that they're doing that accomplishes what they're wanting to accomplish when they're in the game on the field. And they're not sitting in the stands. They're not a part of the crowd. And I want to challenge you today to ask yourself this question. Am I a crowd Christian or a disciple of Jesus? Am I a crowd Christian or am I a disciple of Jesus? Now, have you ever read verse 34? We just read it together. Jesus said, you need to, most translations say, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Have you ever read verse 34 and thought, that seems kind of harsh? Like, these people are actually kind of following you around and maybe they're interested in what's going on and you're going to turn around and get the crowd to come in close and tell them that they need to deny themselves and that they need to take up their cross and that they need to follow you it seems a little harsh for jesus to say something like that and why is jesus calling the crowd out like that jesus is calling listen jesus is calling the crowd to commit jesus is calling the crowd to commit he says, I know, I know who my followers are, and then I've been paying attention, and I know who's just following. They're just around. They're just kind of like, they kind of like the idea, but they still like their own ideas. They kind of like the idea of Jesus, but they still kind of want an opinion in what their life is going to look like. They kind of like the idea of me being around and what I'm doing and what I can do for them. But they don't want to get close enough to actually be changed. They want to stay a little bit like, I want to see what Jesus is doing. Boy, it would be cool if Jesus would do that for me. And, but if I get too close, I might actually have to change. I would, I would submit to you that Jesus calling out the crowd, when we would think, man, that seems kind of hard. Like, how do you deny yourself? Take up your cross? Follow him? Like, have no opinions? Have no say-so? Like, just give it all up and just follow Jesus and I would submit to you that Jesus calling out the crowd like he did is one of the most compassionate things that Jesus could have ever done. We would see it in our culture as something harsh. If somebody was to come to you and it's like, you need, to, you need to stop it, and you need to commit, and you need to quit being wishy-washy, and you need to do this, and we'd be like, <gasps> are you serious? This, Jesus doing this, I think, was one of the most compassionate things that Jesus had ever done, and I'm going to show you why. It's because of the next verse. We read verse 34. Here's what verse 35 says to make it a little more clear. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. In the same breath, Jesus says, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Because if you try to hang on to your own life, you will actually lose it. And if you give up your life for me, you'll actually save it jesus lays out two choices for us he says i can either hang on to my life or i can give up my life i can either hang on to my life or i can give up my life now the greek word here for hang on in this translation some translations say save 
if you try to save your own life, you will lose it. The Greek word here is the word sozo, which we're probably familiar with, and it's actually the root of the word savior. It's talking about salvation. When Jesus says you'll be saved, this is the word. Like, it's the root of the word savior, like Jesus is our savior. The word here for lose, the Greek word here for lose, is a word that can mean ruin. So I think what maybe, maybe, we can interpret what Jesus is saying here to mean this. If you try to be your own savior, you will ruin your life. But if you give up your way and surrender your life to me, you'll experience real life. If you try to save yourself, if you try to do things your way and try to figure it out and try to fix you, if you try to, listen, if you try to control your own life, you'll ruin it. If you try to fix your own life, you'll ruin it. If you try to do things your way, you'll actually ruin your life. But if you give up control of your life, you'll save it. You'll experience real life. You'll experience the life that Jesus said, I came to give you in John 10, 10. The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came so that they could have life and have it to the full or have abundant life. And Jesus says, this is the way that you get. If you try to, if you try to do it yourself, you will ruin your life. In other words, I think if you try to be somebody who wants to associate with Jesus and see what Jesus is doing, but stay far enough away to where you don't have to commit and you don't have to change and you don't have to actually do anything that Jesus says, you will ruin your life. But if you will come in close and listen to what Jesus says, when he says you need to deny yourself, you need to take up your cross, and you need to follow me. And here's why I'm telling you to do that, because that's how you'll save your life. That's how you'll experience real life. And when you think about it from that perspective, it's the most compassionate thing that Jesus could have told those people. And it's the most compassionate thing that he could tell us today, is that, listen, I don't want you to ruin your life and lose your life. I want you to actually save your life, and the only way to do that is to give up your life so that it could be saved, so that it could be what it was intended to be from the very beginning. Here's our struggle today, I think, is that we forget that everything that we read in the Bible and everything that Jesus said in the Gospels can be traced back to love. If you would read your Bible and, and just ask the question, Jesus said this, and Paul wrote this, and Peter wrote this, and this can all be traced back to love. So what is God trying to do in me right now? What is he trying to protect me from? Come on, some of us need protected from ourselves. It can all be traced back to love. Now, where do our thoughts of God being harsh or that this statement being harsh or, man, that seems like that's not even doable, where, where does that thing come from? I, I think it comes from the enemy, but I also think it comes from our own selfish desires. I think some of our own selfish desires cause us to think this way about some of the things that Jesus said. And look back at where this mentality started. I want to show you where I think this mentality started. This is in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Did God really say you couldn't have that? 
Did God really, is, is God really that strict? This is what the enemy, the thoughts, is God really that strict? You're really gonna, you're really gonna read that book and follow all the rules and the, which that's another message for another day about grace, <laughs> grace versus law, legalism versus freedom. Did, did God really say that you can't do that? Did God really say that you have to do that, that that would be what's most beneficial for you? Is God really keeping you from doing what you know you want to do? I mean, isn't this what you want to do? And God's going to keep you, he's going to tell you to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. And he's going to keep you from doing what you really want to do. Did God really say to do those things? And my response would be, yes, he did. Because he loves you. And he knows our tendencies. And he knows the end from the beginning. And he knows how our life can actually be saved. And that when we step in and try to do it ourselves and fix ourselves and stay at a distance. And I don't want to change. And I want God as my savior. But I don't want him to tell me what to do. That we actually ruin our lives and jesus knows this so he calls the crowd out it's his love that calls us out it's his compassion that calls us out it's his will that calls us out he calls out our potential he calls us out to go all in he truly knows what's best for us and that's what he wants for us and so jesus calls out the crowd and he charges him with three instructions and so for the next just few minutes i want to go through these pretty quickly um, these three instructions that jesus gives here's the first one deny yourself so what does it look like to deny yourself if jesus knows this is how you save your life this is what it looks like to be my disciple if you want to come after me if you want to follow me if you want to be my disciple this is what you must do deny yourself now with this idea of denying ourselves also comes another temptation right so there's a temptation in denying yourself, and the temptation is this. We like to pick and choose what we will deny ourselves of. So I'll, and, and I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, have you ever approached denying yourself like donating things to Goodwill? Uh, I really don't need that. So sure, I'll give it away. I really don't, eh, that's really not that big of a deal, so... I'll give it away. This is why I was joking in, in, on Vision Sunday when I was talking about, uh, we were talking about fasting, and I said, listen, it's probably not a good idea for you to fast lunch if you never eat lunch anyway. That's, that's like, nah, it's not that big of a deal. You know, sure, I'll do lunch, you know. Not, it's really not a sacrifice for me. Right, we, we choose the shoes, we choose the clothes, we choose the other items that we really don't care for, that we don't have any use for anymore. We pick and choose what we get rid of based on our preferences. I'll deny myself of these things or those episodes because it's not a huge deal, but I don't know if I'm willing to give up this. And I don't think this is what Jesus had in mind when he called the crowd out and instructed them to give up their own way. To deny themselves. What did Jesus have in mind when he said to deny yourself? Well, here's, here's a, a couple of definitions if you study this. Number one is to give up your own way and to strongly reject you. To give up your own way and strongly reject you or strongly reject the things in your life that are not 
pointing you to Jesus. Now, have you ever been faced with a moment that was a crowd versus disciple moment? And you knew you needed to deny your crowd tendency and your desire to do things your way and instead submit to God. And I think we're going to recognize a little bit more now, hopefully that we have some language around it, like this crowd versus disciple moment. Where you're going to, on a Tuesday, you're going to be like, oh, this is a crowd versus disciple moment right now. This is a, this is a, I need to, like, I need to choose. Am I going to, am I going to try to do it my way and save my own life and actually ruin it? Or am I going to surrender in this area of my life and give it to Jesus and actually be his follower, be his disciple? I think that denying yourself is something that we primarily do in, in private. I think this is more of a private thing in our lives where we, we know, we know. We know what our tendencies are, what we need to deny ourselves. When we fast, right, we're denying ourselves. When we're tempted with fleshly thoughts, we deny ourselves. When we're at a crossroads between our old self and our new self, we deny our old self and we walk in the new. And I like the way that one writer put it. He said this, what self-denial means is that while we can have the desires of our heart, we are to deny our own way of achieving them and trust the Lord to do it his way. We deny ourselves, however painful it might be, in order that we would gain a greater good. Denying yourselves, a lot of times we think of denying ourselves as a bad thing, as a neg- like we look at it on the negative side, like I've got to deny myself. It's actually an investment in your future. Like I'm, gonna, I'm laying this down because I know there's something better that God has for me, and I want everything that he has for me. I want all, I'm going to lay my life down in this way, denying ourselves or giving up our own way is also about giving up our rights. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but to deny yourself means that we give up the right to take revenge. Because revenge is taking matters into our own hands. We give up the right to be comfortable. Woo-hoo. Did not Jesus deny yourself, give up the right to be comfortable because you're not always going to be comfortable when you follow me. We give up the right, listen, we give up the right to spend money however we want to. Oh my gosh, did he just say that? (laughs) Do you know that that Jesus actually has a desire for how he would like for you to use the things that he's entrusted to you? And to part of denying yourself is giving up the right to just do whatever you want to do. And it's not in a negative sense. It's so that you can receive, listen to me, everything that God wants for you. And you can't receive everything that God wants for you if you're still holding on to all your rights to make it your way and do it your way and do the things that you want to do all the time. Jesus says you got to deny yourself. We give up the right to hate our enemy. Jesus even took it a step further and he said what? Bless your enemies. Pray for those who curse you. Don't hate them, pray for them. Bless them. We give, deny ourselves, we give up our right to understand God's plan before we obey him. We give up our right to be served and we serve. We give up the right to hold a grudge. We give up the right to complain. We give up the right to live by our own rules when we deny ourselves. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to save your life, if you want everything that I have for you, you ha- if you want to be my disciple, if you want to become more like me, you've got to deny yourself. Deny yourself. And none of these things, think about this, none of these things we just talked about, they don't bring life anyway. 
When was the last time that you spent three months taking revenge towards somebody that did something to you and you walked away and you're like, I've never felt more alive in my life. It just, it doesn't satisfy like we thought it would. When was the last time that you were holding a grudge or you were hating your enemy and six months later you thought, I have so much life in me. These things actually lead us to bondage. They actually lead us into slavery. They actually confine us and take away the freedom that God wants for us to have whenever we don't. Doesn't that sound backward? When we don't deny ourselves, it actually puts us in bondage. And this is why this is one of the most compassionate things that Jesus could ever ask us to do. Because he knows when you lay this, when you lay this down, then you can really take up what I have for you. You can really experience life. Why do we answer the call as Christians to deny ourselves? I think it's because Jesus loves us and he knows that when we give up our lives to him, we actually save them. When we give up our own way, we actually experience a better way. Here's the second thing he said. He said, take up your cross. Take up your cross. Now, I remember I used to wonder what Jesus meant by take up your cross. I used to read this and think, what in the world? Like, take up your cross. And like, am I supposed to go build one and carry it around? And like, what does that even mean? And I don't know if you've ever been like me. Maybe you're more spiritual than me. Maybe you're more grounded than me. And you were like, no, I've always known what that means. But I used to wonder, like, what, like, what does that actually mean? to take up my cross. What is the cross? Well, let me give you some things that you probably already know. The cross is an instrument of death. We wear it around our neck. Do you know you're wearing an instrument of death around your neck? Like we, we have little crosses and we hang them in our rearview mirrors and all these things, and that's fine. That's great. I love that, but we need to understand what it represents. Jesus said, take up your cross. A cross represented the beginning of of the death march think about it when jesus he carried his cross to the place that they were going to nail him to it i mean when they saw somebody in the streets carrying a cross they were like oh uh oh i know what's about to happen i know what's about to happen their thoughts (laughs) their their thoughts probably would have been like i can just imagine this okay jesus calls the crowd up up close to him He says, here's what you need to do. If you want to be my follower, you'll be my disciple. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And when he got to take up your cross, I can imagine the people around in that culture, they were like, take up your cross. The only people that carry a cross, are you hearing this? The only people that carry a cross are the people that are going to die. What is he talking about to which Jesus would probably respond with, exactly. Take up your cross means that You have decided. I'm on my way to die to myself today. And I'm not going to do it my way today. And I'm not going to have my own agenda today. But I'm following Jesus. And I'm a disciple of Jesus. What would it look like for you to get up every morning and die to yourself? Lord, I will not live for my own agenda today but yours. I will not live for my own desires today, but yours. I will not live to please myself today, but I will live to please you today. And what if we thought about it in this way? Denying myself is a decision I make. Taking up my cross is a life I live. 
denying myself is a lot of times behind the scenes and people it's kind of this work behind the scenes that most people you don't walk around you don't walk around telling everybody i'm denying myself today you walk into work today and they're like how are you good i'm denying myself today aren't you excited i'm denying myself today we don't do that we made a decision when we got up i'm gonna deny myself today 21 days of prayer and fasting we've been making a decision every day every day you know this this had to be every day because you got to a point to where you wanted to quit. You got to a point to where it got really difficult. And you had to make a decision. I'm going to deny myself today. But taking up your cross, think about this. To carry a cross, that's public. That's in front of everybody. That's when they ask you to, or, or when they ask you to do something, you're like, no, nah, that's not what God wants me to do. That's. That's, I'm like, I'm carrying my cross. I'm on my way to die. I got up this morning and I put this cross over my back because I'm dying to myself today. And I'm going to live for Jesus today. Look at, look at what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2. He said, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I think we could say it this way. I think we say it this way, and maybe we need, to, we need to post this somewhere so that we can remember this. Because I died, I now live differently. Because I died, this is what Paul's saying. Because I died, I live differently. So now I live in this body, it's Jesus living through me. I'm trusting in him. It's him working in me. Because I died, I now live differently because i've laid my life down the way i live now looks different because i have taken up my cross and i have died to myself now the way that i live actually looks different and i would ask you this question listen i love you but listen to this question does your life look any different from the world does your life look any different than anybody else around you that is not following jesus does it look, because I died, now I live differently? Because I have crucified my flesh with Jesus, now I live differently? Does your life look any different? And if not, listen, maybe we need to consider whether or not we have answered Jesus' call to take up our cross daily. Maybe we need to ask the question, am I a crowd Christian or am I a disciple of Jesus? Because Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross daily. One writer said this. He said, there is an element in the Christian life where we are to carry our cross daily, meaning that we are to die to self daily. This is the evidence of true saving faith. It is simply saying that true saving faith is not mere head knowledge nor is it mere sentimental emotion. Rather, it involves a decisive break with self and an entrusting of your life to Jesus Christ. And I can't think of any better time than January of 2024 for you to break up with you. S some of us are so in love with ourselves. We wouldn't say it this way. But I can't think of a better time than at the beginning of 2024 for me to break up with me and decide, oh, I've died. I've died. And it's no longer I who live, but this life that I live now in this earthly body, I live by trusting in Jesus. It's Jesus living through me. And because I've died, now I live differently. My life looks different. 
because of what's going on inside of me, my life looks different on the outside. Because I've died to myself, now I can live for Jesus. Taking up your cross, it will require sacrifice and possibly pain, but it will lead to a life with a new level of appreciation for Jesus and service to others. And I would say this as the worship team comes back, and we're going to wrap this up. I would, I would say this. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, in 2024, you need to break up with you. Because this writer, I love the way that he worded this. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just knowing about God. It's not emotional. It's not like this sentimental, emotional thing. But what does he say? He says, it involves a decisive break with self. It's like you get to the point to where you're like, I'm cutting myself off so that I can live for God. Jesus says, here's what you need to do. You need to deny yourself. You need to take up your cross. And here's the third thing. Follow me. Follow Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to stay close to him. It means to learn from him. It means to obey him. I like this one. It means to side with him and his way. It means to take his side. To choose his way. And here's one, here's one definition if you look this up. It says to cleave steadfastly to one, conform wholly to his example in living and if need be in dying also. It's to hold on to Jesus and to become more like him and as I was thinking about this and thinking about my own life I thought there are times when I like to cleave to and conform to and hold on to worldly things and my own desires and the way that I want to do it and maybe you would say the same thing that if following Jesus means to cleave to him and become like him and to submit my life to him and to his example sometimes I like to cleave to me I don't, I don't like the uncomfortable. I don't I don't want to I don't want to deny myself of that. I'm holding on to me. I don't want to I don't want to take up my cross today and die to myself. I want to hold on to me. And to follow Jesus what he's saying is you have to cleave to me. You've got to conform to my example in the way that you live, and even if need be, in dying also. And I love that following Jesus, going back to this, is, is about siding with him, his way. And in this true, come on, we all like to take sides. Anybody ever taken a side before? This is America. We love sides in America. What side are you on? We had people ask us this whenever we were, it, it, they weren't asking it in that way, but that's what they were meaning. When we were starting the church, they would say, what denomination are you? Well, we're non-denominational. Yeah, but if you had to choose one, if you had to lean one way or the other, like if you had to put a name on it, I was like, but we're not. But if you had to like, is it Baptist? Is it Pentecostal? Is it like, what? which way would you lean? It's like, we lean to Jesus. I don't know what you want me to say right now. You're wanting me to pick a side. And this is what we love. We love to pick sides. We pick sides politically. Come on, it's an election year. We need to be praying. We pick sides politically. 
We pick sides in relationships. We pick sides when bad things happen. We're like, whose side are you on? I'm on their side. I'm on their side. Well, what if we were in the middle reconciling? You know what I'm saying? Like, but this is, what, this is what Jesus means when he says, follow me. He says, take my side. Take my side. Take my side. Get on my side. Get off of that side and get on my side. Get on my team. Get, like, get with me. Get on my side. And, and Jesus desires for us to take his side. And whose side competes the most against Jesus' side? My own side. So Jesus, it's like we're on our own side. And Jesus says, no, what it looks like to follow me is take my side. I don't understand what that is and why you want me to do that and why you're telling me to be nice to them after what they did to me. And Jesus says, you know what it looks like to follow me? Do it my way. Take my side. Do it my way. I don't want to give up this. I don't want to be that way. I don't want, to, I don't want people to think I'm weird. I don't want to go to that extreme. Like, that just really seems really extreme. seems really harsh. Jesus says, you know what it looks like to follow me? I woke up today and I said, I'm on God's side. And it's his way. And I may not get it, and I may think I have a better way, but I can promise you my way is not better than God's way. So I'm going to take God's side. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to get on God's side. I'm going to follow him. Will you stand today? When Jesus said these things to the crowd, he knew. (laughs) He knew before he said them that he was going to set the example. He knew before he said them that this wasn't just a call for you and I to do something. It was a call to follow in what he was already going to do. Because he denied himself. The Bible says that he gave up his privileges and he humbled himself. Came to earth. Became a man. Felt what we feel. Was tempted in every way that we are. He denied himself. He took up his cross. He physically carried his cross and died for it. Like physically laid down his life. Actually did it. And he wants us to follow his example here's the here's the beautiful thing Jesus is not calling you he could but he's not calling you to do something that he didn't already show you how to do he says I already did it I laid my life down and so I'm calling you out of the crowd and into discipleship by denying yourself and taking up your cross and actually following me not just following but following me conforming to me doing life the way that I would have you to do it maybe Jesus is calling you out today because he loves you and our responsibility is to make the decision to give up our own way to die to our old self to live in the new life that's been given to us and stay close to him Stay close to him. Come on, some of us just need to lean into him today. We just need to take some steps toward him today. I've been out here in the crowd, and I've been watching what Jesus is doing, but now I'm going I'm to get in. I'm going to begin to do what Jesus has called me to do. Come out of the crowd. Deny ourselves. Take up our cross. Follow him. And we do all this because it's how we experience true life.
So I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? What are you saying to me right now? Maybe he wants to show you an area of your life where you haven't, you haven't denied yourself. You haven't taken up your cross. Or maybe an area where you're not fully following him. You're kind of standing at a distance because you don't know that you want to be changed. And Jesus is saying, listen, the only way to experience life to the full like I did for you too is to step in and be changed. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God wants to renew your mind today. And the most compassionate thing that Jesus could say to you today is, hey, come out of the crowd. Don't be in the crowd. Don't be out here just kind of following me around, but actually get in. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Stay close to me so that you can experience real life. So, Lord, right now as our prayer team comes down, you can get ready. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity in this moment to receive prayer. And, God, I thank you for what I believe you're doing in our hearts right now through just this simple, simple message. This simple thing that you just, just these couple of verses that you spoke to the people that were around you and for our benefit even today that we could read them and know, man, this is what Jesus desires for me. Lord, I pray that these would not just be words that when we walk out of this building that would leave us, but God, that it would change us. It would change our perspective, it would change our mindset. And Holy Spirit, I pray during this time, during this song, that if there's anybody here today who needs prayer for anything in their life, that you would draw them to prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.